pulling on wires, knocking kombucha over. True, okay. being rude. True, being rude. Oh, she's so cute. All right. I'm Corey. I'm Brian. And, and this is, is Vegan Feminist, Feminist Radio. On July 1st, that marked the third birthday of Vegan Feminist Network, and that is bad to the ass. All right. So we are launching, yeah, right now. So we're launching this podcast, uh, kind of coincidentally, on the third birthday. Uh, And since we are heading up to July 4th, thought it would be interesting to break that down from a feminist perspective. And obviously from a vegan perspective, because what happens on July 4th, but a bunch of meat on grills and sticks and salads and apparently soirees. (laughs) If you want to tell us, Brian, about your recent invitation. I totally will. So, yeah, I mean, I got an invitation to a pool party time, excellent July 3rd patriotic grilled meats and beer soiree. Mm. And we were just discussing what the hell uh, a soiree is, um, but also finding that it's located within a certain CD from 1997, (laughs) a Fleetwood Mac. One of the first CDs I ever owned, that CD changed my life. I played that CD until it broke and it would skip and my brothers would yell at me, turn it off. It doesn't even work anymore. And these, these are just my favorite people in the world. It's such a cool crowd, but they've got, you know, they've got a pool set up and they, it's just, it's always a a cool time going over to hang at this guy's house. Everybody has a great time. We all drink too much and just, it's just awesome all the time, you know, which is a little bit like, I mean, like, why does it have to be the, the grilled meats? And it's it's like such a, a part of, of the consciousness of, of what July 4th means to people of having barbecue and, you know, meat and, and, and all of that disgusting, like destroyed, hacked up animal stuff, which is, is just so distasteful to me. And I'm like innately suspicious of July 4th and sort of national fantasy events like that anyway. Um, but it kind of makes you a sourpuss to be um, like, you know, I don't want to go hang out at your party. Well, how long have you been friends with these people? A long time. Yeah, I mean, I know. Well, they should get over it. They know. They know better by now. I think they know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I responded with like, oh, I'll show up. But, you know, the fact that you're having uh, all this meat porn doesn't, you know, make me too happy. But I'll, I'll come bear the chest hair anyway. Because it's a pool party, right? You know, so. <laughs> I'll hang out in your pool and take my clothes off. Like, that's fine. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, to me, it kind of, it just, it makes you like constantly, at least for me, um, where I'm always just going to be this guy who's got like a problem with stuff. How long have you been vegan, Ryan? Uh, I guess five or six years. Okay. Now. So that's, that might be part of it. So I've been vegan for like 15 years. And after like the 10th year, you just, you just, you're over it. You just, that's who you are. It's like having a nut allergy. Like, please don't put nuts in my food. Please don't put a corpse in my food. And you're just like, you just, you get over it, I think. 
Oh yeah. Like my wife is totally that way. And I, you know, I'm just, I want everybody to take veganism seriously and not like let me be their guide or something, but they just don't really either. They're like defensive about it or they just sort of, you know, they're just going to kind of laugh it away. I think that there's probably two things going on there. The first one is that the animal rights movement and the vegan movement is so stereotyped and rightly so for being uh, shitty as hell about being racist and white centric and classist and for rich people and not caring about other movements. It's true. Most, most people in the vegan movement do not give a shit about other movements, which is why other leftist movements have completely washed their hands of it and just ostracized this. But the other part is that with the food and people are like literally consuming this food and it's really bound to your identity. And uh, some of that stuff is like literally addictive and it's so mm. brainwashed into us since little kids that it's really, really difficult uh, because it's not, it's not the same as with racism as, you know, when you're a little kid, your mom and dad don't say, okay, let's go do some racist stuff. Oh, isn't this heartwarming? And we'll all gather around the Christmas tree and do this. No, with meat, you're, you do get that. You get that positive reinforcement, all that kind of family associations and stuff. And so it really becomes a psychological thing. Yeah. Not that no, definitely racism is as well. It's definitely a psychological thing as well. But um, there's not that societal enforcement that there is so much for with, with consuming meat and all that kind of crap. And I, I mean, it's, it's difficult to make parallels there. I want to be careful with that. I mean, what I'm just saying is that we don't say, okay, let's go um, – Let's go do some racist shit and then uh, pat each other on the back. And this is a great, great Christmas event or Fourth of July event. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Do you think that uh, decolonization is, is that an appropriate term to, to use? What do you think about that? <laughs> Doesn't like drop this like super major thing on me. Okay. Um, well, Breeze Harper, Dr. Breeze Harper talks about decolonization when it comes to food uh, and, and non-vegan food consumption. And that is a totally different ballgame from where me as a white person would come from and my mom as a white person would come from because we, speaking of 4th of July, we have always structurally been privileged by so-called independence in America. But for people of color, and I definitely would direct readers to check out uh, sistavegan.com and her books. For people of color who have been kind of forced these Western, they've been forced to eat these Western diets, which have created a lot of havoc on uh, individual bodies, but also entire communities. And yeah, I would say it's definitely appropriate for some to say that's an act of decolonization when you move away from these very oppressive diets uh, back towards traditional diets that were definitely plant based. When it comes to white people, on the other hand, um, this is a mess of our own making. <laughs> so I would be hesitant to appropriate that kind of language for white people. As for other animals, for non-human animals, it's definitely an act of colonization, which makes it super freaking ironic when we're talking about the 4th of July. And we're all sitting around like, freedom, ooh, and you know, this freedom was made possible for some by oppressing so many others. Um, and we were talking about this the other day, but David Nybert's book, uh, what is it called? Animal Oppression and Human Violence, mm -hmm. talks, about, talks about this issue as well. He said that he, it's a really interesting book, came out in 2013, where he makes this argument that so-called progress across different continents, these projects of oppression, these projects of colonization were generally done, if you get down to the base of it, in the name of uh, animal oppression, in domestication, in uh, like the United States. 
many of the first explorers came over here looking for new markets for um, animal products, looking for new raw resources and animals such as buffalo, such as beavers that were killed for fur. Mm -hmm. So, and even a lot of the early Spanish, um, what's the word? Conquistadors. No, 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 wait. Missionaries, the missionaries. <laughs> okay. Even a lot of them, they were like cattle barons. So these, all of these things that we think about as just being human projects are actually pretty much grounded in animal oppression. So when we're talking about the great United States and our great freedom and independence and all that crap, we have to also consider not just the animals who are being abused and exploited and oppressed right now, but that entire legacy, that romanticized history of the United States is built on animal oppression. And also what David Nybert argues is not just animal oppression, because animal oppression is inherently bound to human oppression. So of course, the mass violence and genocide against Native Americans, the mass violence and genocide against enslaved Africans who were brought here, um, and women who were also kept as chattel until, God, not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So it is important to think about that with the 4th of July, this big ideological celebration jerk off to the United States. But think, you have to think about not just those animals on the grill now, but past hundreds, a few hundred, hundreds of years and how they've been suffering as well. Rant over. You touch on this a bit, but making decolonization into a metaphor really is a disservice to indigenous peoples who are looking for the reclamation of their land and reparations. Um, and, and that's like a very, you know, serious physical thing, the matter of blown up stars. Like we're trying to get that piece back. Please stop talking about your personal journey and whatever in these, in these sort of decolonizing terms. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to jump to appropriate this kind of language. However, we also have to think about class lines, as you said. So that's inclusive, inclusive of Native, non-Native people of color, white people, uh, but especially when we're talking about the context of the, of the independence of, you know, the birth of the United States, which was for who? For very few power elite people like George Washington and his buddies who had land and had the power to vote. So these are the people who were constructing America. That wasn't a democracy. It's always been the power elite and corporations, more so today about the corporations. But indeed, this, this is not a democracy. This is people, a small group of people who are making decisions for everyone else and indefinitely shaping our access to food, our eating behaviors in order to benefit them, not benefit us. So yeah, it's, it's a definitely, it's an act of violence on all vulnerable people. Um, and I just like, eh, I just don't like the word decolonization as a white person. That's just me. Cool. For me, I mean, to, for white people, I mean, not for, for people of color, it definitely makes sense. But for me, like. Eh. Hey, Corey, what you drinking? <laughs> Tonight I'm drinking GT Synergy Organic Kombucha. Trilogy flavored. I got it at Trader Joe's. It was overpriced and hmm. it's almost gone. It was quite delicious. The end. Nice. What are you drinking? Well, are you drinking? But, uh, I, I'll let you re-ask me that in a second. Okay. How, how many have you had? It's <laughs> all that matters. Is this more of your like really weirdly named beer that your friend made? Could be. <laughs> it's like Robert Smith's Goth Tears in London mid Midnight <laughs> IPA. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Trappist uh, Rochefort, and it's the number 10. 
which means uh, it's the high gravity stuff. You get cronk for less. Mm. Can we talk about the Bailey shit? Because this yeah, is the best thing about this is the best thing about our friendship. Truth be told, most of my vegan friends are like super uptight, and they have like one beer, like woo, that too much, right? It's like, all right, come on, like get real. So that's why I like you. We can talk about like being normal people who do normal things, like drink alcohol from time to time. <clears throat> and, <laughs> and anyway, so like you messaged me like a month ago, and I don't know what it was. But you were like, you sent me the Bailey's thing. And I was like, wait, what? The Bailey's vegan almond, whatever you call it, like alternative. And I was like, no way. And then I was with Sarah and Sarah Woodcock. And Sarah Woodcock was like, well, we have to make sure this is vegan. So she emails them and they're like, well, we don't know. Well, she wasn't alone. They got swamped with so many emails about people like, for real, this is vegan because this is going to be awesome if it is. Then Bailey was just like, damn we should get on top of this because this is an untapped market yeah so it's going to be vegan and i haven't gotten it yet i think it just came out it did I've never but- i've never had baileys in my life so i've been vegan since i was 17 and i didn't start drinking till believe it or not till it was actually legal to drink and mm. my partner is irish and it's like we can't have it and i don't like whiskey so I'm just- god you missed out on like seven years of good drinking waiting until you were 18 i guess no 21 oh yeah that's fine i don't know how y'all do things in virginia well i was just i was different because uh well i come from the south right so i come from uh like definitely a drinking culture and i just it was wasn't a positive one so i just i was smart about it so i'll just wait till i didn't even drink in college like i didn't drink till i was in graduate school it's very looking back it's like what what a geek Yeah, seriously. Um, well, I don't know about that. But do you know how that story ends? Did we not? They, it, there's beeswax in it. What? I thought they said it was vegan. No, they, no, they didn't say it was vegan. They said they made some, I don't know what it was, but they were just like, oh, it doesn't have like, oh, it doesn't have cream in it or whatever. And it was like non-dairy. But then it came out a couple of days Later, I think after all that stuff went down, you know, and everybody went crazy. No, but, Ve- like, no, but Veg News posted about it. There's beeswax in it. I, but that's what Veg News posted, that there was beeswax. And that the owner of the company or whoever the, the, the product owner of that particular thing was like, oh, oops, uh, we didn't mean to confuse anybody. It's not vegan. What? There's beeswax in it. Yeah. That Bailey's isn't vegan after all. No. It's totally not. No, I didn't buy it, but I was excited about it. God damn it. Yeah, I know. And but that's the thing where you're like, wait, like, why does it have to be in every damn thing? Like, you just that's such a to me, I okay, I'm sure I, it does something. It's a sweetener or it holds some molecules together or whatever, but it's like No, what just, happens? This is my capitalist critique. The reason why that the trace ingredients bullshit happens is because these meat and animal industries have to make a buck off of every last scrap of everything. Otherwise it won't be profitable. Of course it's only profitable to begin with because of the subsidies from the United States government here in America. 
But what they do is they like coerce different companies to use these products in order to stay profitable. In fact, in Ireland, I just finished a paper on um, animal rights and veganism in Ireland, and I was doing research about the agricultural history there. In the 1980s, the Irish dairy industry was revitalized. It was skyrocketed into the global market because they figured out how to coerce, um, like, what was it? Energy drinks or some kind of like proteins, you know, the stuff you get at GNC. They convinced those companies to use their whey and other byproducts. And that became such a huge, it made it profitable because they were able to use this like byproduct crap. So I think that it's intentionally put into these, to all this different shit, just like with corn syrup. They put it into everything and keep it, to keep it profitable. And it's a cheap filler. And I'm fucking pissed. (laughs) I'll never know. I'll never know what it tastes like. Like, I think I followed up. I think it might have actually been Sarah who sent it to you. Because we were doing a group chat. And I think Sarah sent it to you. And then you were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I was like, "Ah, that's pretty cool. And then it was a couple days later I found the veg news. And the guy's like, oops, we didn't mean for vegans to think it was actually vegan. And we were like, whatever yes you did yeah yeah totally did it but so the idea though is that they're going to go and take the beeswax out who knows what they're going to put in but you know what people are really annoyed by the by honey and beeswax when i they're like oh you can't even have that i was like it's not that i can't have it i just won't you know i mean it's also exploitation work but i so i think that i think people like oh god does veganism go all the way to that did, oh, did you? Did we? Did our machines step on some bugs when we were harvesting your almond, like your almonds? Oh, then it must not be vegan. Like, just such, just such pricks. I don't know. The one that I hate is maybe you're different, but oh, you're eating French fries. Did you know this French fries were fried in the same oil as the dead animal? Mm. Like, yeah, uh, that happens, and it's right. not the same. Uh, like I'm also breathing air that your meaty lungs have just expelled. Like I can't help it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, some of the places I know that for sure that it comes from that like that, like fries or like that. Then yeah, but not all the time. I'm not. I'm not a big no. It's just the oil. I mean, it's like I'm not purchasing the meat. I'm purchasing the vegetable product. I'm supporting the vegetable product i don't give a fuck and i actually worked in a hardy's i worked in a hardy's restaurant and we were explicitly told never to mix the oil because the meat uh, duh, it's so nasty and rancid ruins the oil faster and so we had to keep them separate anyway and so i ever since i've worked in restaurants i've just never worried about it yes pro- some probably but like that's not it's like i eat spiders in my sleep it's not a matter of this accidental <laughs> byproduct shit i'm what a, I'm talking about my political support for something versus my not, you know, boycotting something else. Right. Exactly. I mean, so that's when I always bring it up. Like, what does that have to do with social justice? What does that have to do with animal liberation? What does that have to do with abolitionism or whatever? Like all of those. Do you, do you like uh, Colleen Patrick Gaudreau? Do you ever listen to her stuff? I don't listen to it. She talks about, well, I'll tell you this then. I don't know if that's conscious or not, but she talks about purity and and like veganism being like some pursuit of purity and her thing is like yeah it doesn't have anything to do with purity and i really like that like she's selling a lot of books and doing i don't know anyone who does say it's about being pure that's i think is a 
kind of you a think red it's a straw man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. Or, or that. It's a. It's a meant to distract us from what the the factionalism and the animal rights movement. When the welfareists, the reformists, are saying that we need to go veg or promote vegetarianism, they start saying, "Well, those vegans know all about their purity." It's like, when did I ever? I've never met a vegan who's a stickler about except i know one animal rights theorist who's a complete joke and everyone hates him and no one takes him seriously because he's a jerk and a prick um mm. who said you won't even like walk on grass because he might step on a bug and i've heard of another <laughs> animal rights theorist who said i never drive faster than 25 miles an hour unless i kill an animal like for fuck's sake like no one lives their life like that that's true and i I almost, I've almost hit squirrels plenty of times at 25 miles an hour. Like they, the problem is the roads, not the driving. Sure. You know, well, the driving too, but you know what I mean? It's <laughs> the our driving, roads. The driving doesn't help, but the fact that the roads, the animals don't know how to navigate it. I mean, unless you're walking, the danger is always going to be there and I have to get to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I listened to a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think um, 99% in, invisible, I think it was. And they were talking oh, about, I love that show. yeah, like the 88,000 dams and the like various <gasps> systems. The, the, they have the, to, like, salmon cannons. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there was and, animal testing in that though. Well, I wasn't going to like promote <laughs> it necessarily, but it's, it's kind sorry. Of I'm being thing. a purist. <laughs> Not at all, but it's like, oh, it's kind of the same thing of like, okay, well, are you not going to drink water anymore that, you know, because, of, you know, all this stuff that it can be, or we just can't pursue a purity thing. So maybe, maybe it doesn't come from vegans. Maybe it just comes from like, we have this, maybe like prior vegans, people responded to them in that way and just ridiculed them. It was just one of the ways that they could put them down. And maybe- it's two different things. If it's coming from vegans or vegetarians, rather, and the people who are owning these large corporations, they're building a straw man because they're trying to push people away from the radical message and get them to support their compromise bullshit. That's why they make up the straw man about vegan purists, which aren't, they're a mythology. They're not real. However, with people who are not vegan, I think they're just pushing it and trying to figure out what we stand for. Story time with our animal companion. Okay. <laughs> so yesterday, my cat, Keely, is a dirty motherfucker. I didn't sleep well yesterday because I woke up. I think they're cleaning the gutters here or something. And I'm just kind of awake, kind of out of it. And then I hear the sound. And I'm like, nope. I jump out of bed because I know what the sound means. Keely has like IBS or something. He almost died back in like 2012. We don't know what happened to him. We think maybe he was poisoned. But ever since then, he's had shit issues. So I came in there and I couldn't find it. I was like, okay, fine. I'm up now. So I started making something to eat. Then I turn around and there's a shit pile in the carpet. I'm like, motherfucker. So I have to like clean this carpet. It's like it's wet and mushy. It's, it's all up in there. It takes me forever. So I clean it up. I put all the cleaning stuff back under the sink. Turn around. I found another. God damn it. So then I had to go get another, get it all out from under the sink. Found, found it, cleaned it up, put everything up again. Turned around. There was another. Did the same thing. Cleaned it all up. Put everything up under the sink turn around there's a fourth freaking pile of little dookies four times i had to clean this shit up i was so fucking pissed and then 
Later, Trudy, my other cat, so this is a two cat story. Then Trudy, my other cat, she, for some reason, gets random diarrhea. This is just cat life, right? So she takes a shit, and she's also skittish when there's people in the kitchen. So I was in the kitchen making breakfast, and she's like, ooh, shit and run, runs. But then she's, like, proud for once. And I was like, oh, my goodness, she's in the, because she usually, like, runs. But she was proud, like, I took my shit. I was like, oh, Trudy. And I was trying to encourage her because I want her to be feel comfortable in the kitchen and then i saw there's just like shit drip all out of her asshole so i had to hold her down and like wipe her butt with wet paper towels and she's like it's like because she'll just like wander around and like drip it everywhere then this is all yesterday so then yesterday also i was walking by the bathroom and i did a double take and there comes keely out of the toilet bowl he was in the toilet bowl drinking out of the toilet bowl now here's the thing though james is like new to living with cats my boyfriend he does not like it he does not like that they're dirty he doesn't like that they shed he does not like that they get up on the counter like i've lived with cats forever and i just don't care i and now i start to feel guilty because i don't care <laughs> but then i tell him like i have to admit like the, the cats are shitting on the floor keely's like crawling out of the toilet like a sewer rat that's the end of my story and a fine story it was. And that's the end of the podcast. You have anything to say for yourself? Bicycle, don't even tricycle. See you next time. <laughs>